Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. What is nothing? Yeah, that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? What is something? That's deep, bro. Christina Pajitsky, thank you for downloading this episode. Oh, this is so loud in my ears. I cannot hear myself. Okay. Thank you for downloading this episode um, of That's Deep Bro. A few announcements before I get into it. Firstly, I'm running my hour. I'm finally taping a stand-up comedy hour special, and I'm going to be running it in select cities before I tape. So coming up, I have Sacramento this week, April 28th and 29th at the Sacramento Punchline. May 4th and 5th, Phoenix, Arizona at Stand Up Live. May 19th and 20th, New York City, Gotham Comedy Club. June 1st through 3rd, Denver, Colorado. Denver Comedy Works, the downtown location. And then June 16th and 17th, the day before my Smurf Day, uh, Punchline Comedy Club. Very excited, very amazed. Um, so come check me out, man. See what's about to go down. Amazon, do your shopping using my banner. Go to thatseatbropodcast.com. Click on the banner at every uh, bottom of every post. Do your shopping as you normally would. It just helps kick back some change to the show. All right. All right, guys. I'm very stoked about this week's episode. Let's roll into it. Bros, now get your life.
That's deep, deep in my goth vaults. <laughs> that was a jam. Oh man, that was a jam from uh, Mommy Jeans's goth vaults. That is, that is a deep one. That's uh, oh, that's tones on tail. I love that shit, man. Young Christina P did a lot of shadow dancing to tones on tail in her youth. Uh, oh yeah, it's so good. I was just talking to somebody about um, the the uh, the lack of cell phoneage growing up that I had and pagers. I only drug dealers had pagers, and certainly I didn't have a cell phone until I graduated from college, which is a maze if you can even believe that. And this generation is so um, like blessed in a lot of ways because they don't have to. I don't know, hear a busy signal ever in their life because that just doesn't even happen anymore. There's no such thing as uh, um, waiting for like an album. Like I I ordered it at the record store and then it's going to come out in two weeks. And, you know, so there's a a blessing and a a kind of a curse to the convenience of of this modern era, right? Because on the one hand, it's like, it's great that you can just get stuff instantly. And then on the other hand, there's a real sense of entitlement to having that stuff immediately. And I'm sure, I don't know how it's going to play out in this generation's psyches, but I don't know. I guess we'll, we'll see how that goes. But, uh, but anyways, that tones on I mean, when I think about what I was doing, <laughs> I mean, I was dancing to this song when I was like 15, just running the streets, man, going to Hollywood dancing in clubs, 15 and 16 years old, <laughs> dancing in nightclubs, which that's what everyone did. I grew up in LA. I don't know. Everyone did, but I know that, you know, my friends, that's just what you did. They, they didn't really, um, card back in the day. Like there was no, there were no limits put on, on that stuff. I don't feel like a lot, a lot of, not, not a bad, not a lot of bad stuff happened. It wasn't like, I mean, I, I didn't even drink back then. I, I would go to nightclubs and just enjoy dancing for hours to goth music and, you know, wearing makeup and finding an outfit every week. I would spend so many, t- like just hours going to Melrose and shopping at a store called Aardvarks, which I don't even think exists anymore. It's like a vintage clothing store. Vintage meaning filthy, smelly, used, tattered, disgusting uh, velvet dresses that I don't even know some old lady had and then I would buy them and cut them up and you know put safety pins in them and put fishnet arms on and put them on put the dress on over the fishnet arm like just lunacy and I would go and dance just dance just the love of the game just the love of the game of being goth that's all I had in my heart the the love of the game of pretending to be dead <laughs> what a weird scene like what a weird fucking scene to get into that's what goth is right we're we're uh, celebrating the darkness celebrating the the dark side of of existence uh i don't know which i still think today it's really in me i just i love the dark side of the force i love exploring all that but <clears throat> but yeah the, it's so funny to think that that and, and not that i wanted to die at all. I mean, no, wait a minute. There was a time when I was 14 that I, I may have a little bit, but then it passed and I became a, a human being, uh, integrated into the world. Um, which brings me to my first topic. I watched 13 reasons why, 
on Netflix, the the suicide of Hannah Baker. And I'll tell you what got me hooked. Now, I'm a huge fan of all things young adult and like teen, but only if it's dark. Like, don't fucking give me. I don't. I never got into Degrassi because I their problems were like Canadian problems. You know, like oh my god, hey, eh, we're gonna go meet and get a frosty, but there's only one straw and there's two of us. Like that was the big problem on Degrassi. No. Give me your BH90210. I want to hear Donna Martin graduates. I want abortion storylines. I want uh, date rape. That was huge in the 90s. It was date rape. That was the big topic. Um, You know, I want... I want uh, Kelly getting stuck in a fire with a lesbian and I want her to be in the hospital with bandages on her arms for weeks. That's the kind of stuff I want. Give me the dark stuff, the dark teen stuff. So I still recovering from the sinus infection and I went down the rabbit hole of 13 reasons why. And my husband was like, what are you watching? What depressing nonsense are you watching? I'm like, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on now. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. This coming from the man who watches nothing but murder shows, uh, suicide watch, whatever you're, he watches the, the most depressing crap as I'm trying to fall asleep every night. The murder suicide of Becky Talisman. And you're like, what? Why are you watching women getting murdered as I'm falling asleep? I don't need that shit in my unconscious mind as I drift off into sleep. So I, I got heavy into this series, man. I got deep on it. I fucking binged and I finished all 13 episodes and I found out why Hannah Baker did it. Why Hannah Baker? Why? Oh, she was so pretty. And the the problem that I have with that show, which I loved it because, man, my stepsister texted me and she goes, you got to watch this show because there's a Joy Division song in like episode one. And I heard that, man. Oh, and I was hooked. I was like, you played Joy Division in a teen show? <sighs> Sounds like Christina P's childhood. Sounds like she's on board. And of course, the kids were just, oh, they're such a-holes. And it's always the jocks, isn't it? Isn't it always the goddamn jocks that are ruining everything in high school? They're always the douchebags. It's, and that's a consistent theme in any high school type of show. And, um, you know, it's like Ted Knight in every 80s movies. Wasn't that his name, Ted Knight? <laughs> the guy on Married with Children, the neighbor. I'm, I'm not saying his name right. But he played, uh, he was Stan in Revenge of the Nerds, my favorite movie, obviously. He played the uh, Ted McKinnon? Fuck. He played the douchebag in every 80s. Him and the guy with the blonde hair on Karate Kid. Uh, let me look up Stan Revenge of the Nerds because this is fucking killing me that I don't know this this guy's name because Stan Gable, Adams College, the home of the Adams, which is so funny because it's a it's such a silly name. God damn it! God damn it! Where is it? Oh, this is killing me. Revenge of the Nerds. So they're always douchebags. I can't fucking find it. Come on, dude. Where's Stan Gable? This is fascinating. Me fucking Googling something. Um, come on, man. It's always the, the jocks that ruin Ted McKinley. Revenge of the Nerds. Okay, he played the douchebag in every 80s film, and he was fantastic at it. Uh, and there's a reason that the jocks are responsible for every rape and, uh, and douchebaggery that goes down on high school campuses. And it's called... It's called the karmic shift of life. See, what happens is in high school, if you rocked, like if you were 
popular, if people liked you, if you were an athlete, if you were, um, you know, homecoming this or that, or the prom fuck or whatever, you know, if you were awesome and you loved high school and you were like, oh, I just, I miss it. Oh, the best days of my life were in high school. Get your life. And I'm sorry to tell you this, but your adult life is going to suck because that's what happens. It, it flip flops. So the kids that hated high school ended up flourishing in college. That's the, that's the best part is that you leave your shitty town or you leave your home or you leave whatever and you go to college and then you study the crap you want to study and you make the friends you, you can find now because now you're in a bigger pool of society and there's all kinds of people in, uh, in college. You know, in high school, there's just a select for you. You've got your, the actor nerds, right? The theater geeks. You've got the jocks. You've got the, um, the science dorks. You've got the religious nuts. You've got the, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to remember back. Oh, like the, in my high school, I ended up going to an all girls Catholic school uh, after I got to public school. And there were, you know, like the five Latina girls. <laughs> it broke down by race in my high schools in LA. For some reason, I don't know if that's how it is all over in America, but in LA, high school was a lot like prison. It was, it's always segregated. You know, the black people stick to themselves, Latinos, Asian kids were always to themselves, the white girls. And then there was always a threat of a fight going down all the time in public, at least in public school, not in uh, in Catholic school. But then you go to college, and it opens up like suddenly the jocks are kind of like whatever. I mean, at least the school I went to, we had a basketball team. We didn't even have a football team, thank God. And you know, those people kind of go get marginalized because campus life is all about living in the dorms and, you know, who are you friends with? What floor do you live on? Blah, blah, blah. And then the groups open up, right? And it's like, oh shit. Okay. You've got your potheads, your stoners. Uh, you've got like the, the dudes that play the acoustic guitar in the quad area. And then you've got like the hacky sack hippies, which is what we had. And then you have, uh, you know, like the, the total arty, the art school kids, which were way too cool for me to hang out with. Like I, I wish I would have gone to art school a little, not really. I liked philosophy, but just because I, I seem to like those, those girls, man, they just, they had such a strong sense of identity at such a young age, like, oh, I'm making this sculpture out of glass and nails to represent uh, Reagan's deinstitutionalization of the homeless in the 80s. And you're like, that's fucking rad. Well, I'm reading Kierkegaard uh, this week and maybe writing a half-assed paper and drinking Zimas. So I'm doing some cool stuff too. But uh, it opens up in college. And anybody listening to this, if you're in high school, don't buy into the hype that you don't need to go to college. Or if, you've, if you're considering dropping out, don't, 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 don't. For the simple, the simple reason of college really is the best. Like it's four, for me, five years, <laughs> five full years of drinking and reading books that you would never read outside of academia. Because you're not going to have the time to read and, and be interesting once you're an adult, unless you take a creative uh, lane in your life and, and then you're broke for the next 15 years until you can make a dime at it. But, you know, and it's also an opportunity to meet people, to hang out. Let me tell you something. If you're fucking hanging out, if you got time to hang out in your 30s and 40s, you're a fucking loser, man. 
You know, people are like, I remember all in my 30s and 20s, I was building a career. I was out in the comedy clubs and people are like, why don't you hang out? Why don't you hang out? Hang out? Because I got an empire to build, motherfucker. I got stuff to do. You know what I'm saying? You're never going to have time to hang out. You really, and you shouldn't actually, I should say you shouldn't have time to hang out once you're an adult. Doesn't exist. And then once you have kids, forget it. There's no hanging out. So take the opportunities in your, in your twenties and your late teens, go to college, figure it out, figure yourself out, get interesting. That's, that's really all you should be doing in college. And a lot of the misconception is that, well, I'm not learning any practical skills. Okay. Um, then go to a technical school and learn a practical skill. Actually, there you can be a fucking nursing person. Go study nursing. Go study chemistry. Go to fucking med school. You can you can do all that and have fun. It's four years of fun. Why aren't you having four years? Of, God damn it. So there you go. Uh, Hannah Baker, I'm sad that she's, I'm bummed that she killed herself. I was hoping like the first five episodes, I was in denial about it. I was like, no, she didn't. She's, she's going to pop out any episode and be like, hey guys, psych, I'm here. Let's go to fucking Monet's and have a coffee. Come on, Alex. Come on, Jessica. But no, she really was dead, guys. It, that's not the reveal. She's like, not, not dead. No, been really cool. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Also, very exciting. Another um, Netflix viewing since I've been down with this stupid cold. I I finished the Great British Baking Show season three. And spoiler alert: if you're into that show, just fast forward the next minute or so here. But I was so stoked because I was rooting for. There's two people I was really rooting for on this show: uh, Tamal and Nadia. Because they're both like, you know, kind of out of the fray. They're not like your typical white dude with the red face and yellow teeth contestant on these shows. It's, that's generally what you got on the Great British Baking Show. It's a lot of old white guys, uh, yellow teeth, red, bright red skin. It doesn't look good on camera, that's for sure. Gray hair. And um, so I, I like Tamal. I like Nadia. They both had excellent bikes. Um, extraordinary creativity. The flavors were good. Um, no soggy bottoms. And I was so stoked because I love Nadia because um, she's like, well, first of all, she's Muslim. So she's wearing her, I guess what's called hijab, right? Is that the head thing? The scarf. And she's obviously the outsider, you know, because now there were no other Muslim women competing. So she was unique that way. Well, you were like, oh shit, they let her out of the house to do this. What? How did Nadia get permission from her husband to go on the Great British Baking Show? Oh my God, girl, bake, girl, bake. So I was stoked for her, like that she got out of the house, first of all. That was like number one. I was like, this is my girl right here. I'm down with Nadia. But then her bakes were crushing it. Like she put cardamom and everything. And she put like, she put like her fucking, you know, I think she's from Bangladesh. Her Bangladeshi flavors on shit. And I was like, that's what's up, girl. Put your immigrant flavors in there. I like that about you. And she did her. And she, oh, oh, we know what I love that she did too is that she would like put candy flavors in because I'm assuming being around three children all the time is what influenced her. And she loves candy. So she would like distill down fucking root beer candy and then 
pour that liquid into whatever brownie mix or whatever she was making. It was like, rad, dude, like you're just killing this game. So she's three kids, Nadia, and I'm assuming got married pretty early because she's only like, I'm. she looks only to be about 32, 33 max. Now her eyebrows are kind of whack. Like, I'm not going to lie, girl. Uh, she needed to get her shit fleeked at Damone Roberts. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you feel me? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, but come on, I'm not going to. Am I judging another woman uh, based on her appearance? That would be, you know, really sexist and misogynist, Christina. Guy, grow up. Yes, I am. I'm judging a bitch by her eyebrows. And it's my job as a another bitch to tell you that your shit needs to be flicked. Okay. So there you go, Nadia. Get your shit flicked. Um, but I'm assuming she had kids early because uh, she's her kids were like 10, you know, 12 running around. And they do like they do like what's called a package on the contestants. And her package was like her husband just stunned. Like, well, uh, it's been quite a while since Nadia's been home. She's been working on her baking. Uh, and in the meantime, I've had to take care of the children. I've had to, you know, do the school runs and make lunches and dinners. And we're really glad to have Nadia back pretty soon. Like, so, so bummed that his wife has um, has made this pilgrimage into self-discovery. Because Nadia, what, what's charming about her is that she didn't think she could do it. That's her whole character is this, this self-doubt. And you can see the look on her face. I love these contestants because this is how I always was on reality shows. Is like when the, they get so intense when the judging comes, the criticism part. And you just saw Nadia's face. Like she always looked so engaged and so serious and so afraid of what the judges were going to tell her. And I totally related to that because I'm, you know, I have fucking, as an entertainer, Everything I do is public. My job is public opinion. So, you know, you hear a lot of shit 24-7. And as somebody uh, that's been doing this now for a long time, I, you know, you expect the, um, you expect the haters. The, the haters are 50% of the job and then the other 50% is approval. So, but more, more about that later. Uh, I think approval is what I'm going to talk about here in a minute and why we don't uh, want to necessarily get into that cycle. But what was very charming, and I cried when Nadia won because she won the Great British Baking Show season three. Um, I cried for her because she said that, I didn't think I could do it. I, I didn't know that I could do it, and I set out and I did it. And now when I want to do something, I don't say I think I can. I say I know I can. And I was like, girl, you just got your life. That's what's up. You just got your damn life on the Great British Baking Show. You see what I'm saying? It's not just about baking, guys. It's about the lessons, about fortitude, discipline, hardship, stick-to-itiveness, and and not giving in to the haters, y'all. And not listening to the judges, going, doing you. And she was nervous. That's the best part. And it's not as though you're not nervous, when you do things, there's that great book. I've, I've referenced it a lot on the show. It's called feel the fear and do it anyways by Susan Jeffers. And there's wonderful chapter. She talks about fear being, not, you know, uh, being a part of achievement, being a part of the everyday, right? Like it's not that, um, like look at Hillary Clinton, dude, look at fucking Hillary, dude. I mean, this woman was humiliated by her husband's indiscretions 
And yet she fucking persevered, right? She decided to run for president and she was, she was a myth, uh, you know, scandal. They had all kinds of fucking problems, these Clintons. But imagine the shit storm that Hillary Clinton walked into every day when she was running for president and probably still gets every day, just the amount of hate and the amount of judgment and, you know, imagine how hard that has to be. Even fucking Kim Kardashian, who do I talk shit about? Absolutely. The amount of hatred, the amount of jealous motherfuckers just emailing you, telling you you suck all the time. But to persevere and to keep going, god damn. And the point is, is that Nadia was shaking at some points when she was cooking, when she was baking. And that's the thing. It's not like one day you suddenly become immune to fear or you know, oh, I've gotten my life. Now I'm fucking, I'm perfect and let's go. Getting your life, I think, at least in my life, it's an ongoing battle. You get your life in one area and then another area, you need to get your life going again. But you never lose fear. It's not like you, it's not like I'm ever over. Um, it's, I've managed like stand up fear. I don't really have that so much anymore because I've stopped um, judging myself and and it's not about me you know what I mean it's about it's about whatever it's about but it's not about fucking me um, but uh, I think there's this idea that we should be perfect at something if we're gonna try it and I what I was watching Nadia and I was getting deep on it I was thinking like you know th- this idea that you can do anything and I brought this up last week on the show with Sesame Street and the song that they play for girls now that you can do anything i can be a doctor and it's so it's it's fantastic um is it necessarily whole is it necessarily accurate can everybody really do everything no um not really okay and and mostly because you're born into certain circumstances culturally um financially geographically if you're born in um bangladesh chances are you're not going to be an astronaut or a doctor or a lawyer unless you're born into a wealthy family who can afford to send you to school so you know there's obviously those limitations but if you're born in america fuck yeah and you're uh you're white that definitely helps like i'm not gonna lie being white really helps in terms of doing stuff and you're heterosexual yes check that box then you're really ahead of the curve (laughs) it's it's unfortunate now if you're gonna if you're not born in all these and if you're a man god you're just the red carpet is just rolled out for you it's almost like you give birth when you give birth to a white guy in the hospital what happens is they don't deliver those white male babies on like a dirty blanket no they put a red carpet down under the delivering mother and that's how my son came into the world. Here you go, Ellis. And like, uh, God high-fived my son and was like, you're going to succeed in this world, kid. Good for you. Uh, <clears throat> so can everybody do everything? No, not well. And I think that's the caveat here is that, yeah, actually you can try everything. You can, if you, like I said, you have these circumstances and you don't have to be white or male. Uh, let's see, you're, you're lucky enough to be in a first world country. Great. You've got some resources. You don't live in a cardboard box. You know, your need, your basic needs are met. Okay. So barring all that. So that's good. That's all done. And you've got time and free space for things, doing things. You can try everything. That's the point, but you're not going to be perfect at it. And I think that's where at least I get hung up on myself is like, well, I can't do that. I can't, um, I can't exercise is something I said to myself for 
my entire life until I turned 40, I was like, I'm not an athletic person. I don't, I'm just going to be fat. Just going to (laughs) be, I'm going to be lazy guys. Like I literally said that to myself for 40 years because that's not who I am, right? I don't, I don't do that. And I'm not going to be perfect at it because there are people that are way more athletic and way better for it, suited for um, athleticism. And so I talked myself out of it for years. Now, here's the thing. I do Pilates twice a week and I'm terrible at it. And I don't say that because I want the compliments I need. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that because I try. I just try and I don't expect perfection. That's an area of my life where I've surrendered to like, you know what? I'm just going to show up. I'm just going to show up and, uh, and I'm just going to do what I, I'm going to do today. And it's not going to be judged harshly. Of course, I'm always going to judge myself because that's, you know, who I am. But for me, just putting on the fucking spandex pants and a sports bra and getting my ass into the car and driving to see my trainer, like that's the victory. That's the, that's the victory. Like, and I think like in life, everyone gets so in their heads and uh, judging by all the emails that I get from a lot of millennials, surprisingly, you guys are really, it's this show has become like a millennial show, which is fucking amazing. Cause I, I actually like you guys a lot more now. <laughs> uh, cause you really are the beacon of like, of hope because you guys have a lot of cool tools at your disposal and I'm excited to see what you do with it. But and the point being, um, and I think that's the fear of young people is like, do I, why should I do that? Because I'm not going to kill it. I'm not going to be perfect. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I can't, I can't be a doctor or a lawyer. Well, you can try. I mean, shit, I went to law school for two weeks. I didn't like it. <laughs> I dropped out, but I tried it just to see, Hey, maybe that's something, you know, I don't know. I'm, you're interested in it. No, it's not. Okay. Next. <laughs> I just tried something new. <laughs> But people ask me all the time, like, well, how, how did you quit 22 jobs? How did you know it was time to go? How did you keep going? Only because I, I, I just knew that it wasn't good enough at stuff. I was like, this doesn't, I don't feel good at this. And I just kept trying to find what I was decent at, I think. Yeah, it just didn't fit, you know. But in terms of everything, just try it. You never know. You never know what you're going to be fantastic at. That's the thing. Who knows? Oh. I'm trying to think of an instance where I became fantastic at something I didn't know. I've been good at tennis, but that's because my dad played tennis his whole life. That's a genetic gift, son. Okay. Uh, I don't want to talk about that. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. So an addendum to... Uh, I was talking last week about Sesame Street and that wonderful song about girls doing what, what anything they can or anything they want to do. Blah, blah, blah. I saw this thing on Facebook called Bedtime Stories for for Rebel Girls. Bedtime Stories for Rebel Girls. And um, it's basically, it's two women who published a book of stories for little girls um, that are pro-female protagonists. Because I, all those fairy tales that we grew up on, this is what I was talking about last week, um, you know, you're raised on the princess myth of like uh, Cinderella. What, what Cinderella had three shitty stepsisters and a horrible stepmother who kept her enslaved um, 
cleaning and then one day there was a ball and then she meets the prince and then the prince shows up on her doorstep and saves her from her plight now you know we all know how fucking lame that is because what does that teach little girls that someone has to rescue you and hopefully it's a male and it's a hot guy who's got a lot of money bitch you know what i'm saying um and that's kind of a terrible thing to teach girls i I, you know, I've always hated the movie Grease for the same reason, a movie that I watched from the time I was five compulsively. And the point of Grease is like, Hey, you want the guy to like you, uh, you better slut it up. Cause he likes sluts. You want Danny Zuko to bone you. Well, you better dress like, you better dress like a tramp. Don't, don't be the nice virginal girl that you are. Sandy D be somebody else, be somebody else that he likes. <laughs> And then you'll get the guy, which is like the also horrible thing to uh, encourage. So this book you can buy if you have a daughter. um, I don't know. Why not read it to your sons too? You can get it at rebelgirls.co. It's $35 and it's a book of stories based on actual women. So the point being that you can achieve what you see, right? If you see examples of women uh, being athletes, judges, doctors, lawyers, then you most likely will become one. So this is a great way for little girls to see examples of stuff so that they can grow into it. I'm going to buy this book for my friend who's got a little baby. Really cool. Rebelgirls.co. Rebelgirls. Interesting. I like that you have to be a rebel to be a person. (laughs) It's still considered a form of rebellion for a woman to have uh, a personality. (laughs) (laughs) or to have um drive and to have an occupation it's considered rebellion still oh man we got another 50 years to go on that don't even get me started okay let's get into emails let's see what should i start with first Oh, 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 oh okay i like this one there's some really good emails that came in mommy where is she? Oh, this is uh now hold on advice on mommy issues. Okay. <clears throat> I know a lot of you go through breakups constantly, so especially those of you who are a little bit older, maybe in your thirties, this one's good. Okay. Uh my relationship of over ten years ended six six months ago. This is written from a woman. And although I agreed with my breakup, my ex decided to do some pretty terrible shit afterwards, afterwards, which really made the whole thing 10 times worse. But I have been able to get my life for the most part good. I'm working on my... Thank you, Bitsy. I'm working on myself, going to therapy, doing a lot of soul searching, reading some great books, and surrounding myself with awesome people as much as possible. Good job. Get your life. The issue I'm having is my ex went right into another relationship after he broke up with me. I suspect he was talking to her before the breakup, but I can't prove it. And he insists he did not cheat. I somehow feel like I'm on some kind of timer now to get into a new relationship. I haven't dated anyone since the breakup. I don't know how this works now. In 2005, all we had was MySpace. Girl, I know. Now it's like I have to figure out countless dating apps and the same lame guys are on all of them. And they're all taking, they're all talking to multiple women. I feel like an idiot because I don't know if I'm ready to date at all. 
What I resent the most is that as a 34-year-old woman who actually wants to have a family at some point, I'm the one who has to feel the pressure to hurry up and have children. What if I don't find anyone to have a family with or worse? What if I excuse me, do, but I can't trust anyone because of how my last relationship ended. I feel hopeless about love relationships, even though I got my dream job. Excellent. I'm finally feeling like myself again. And I know my worth and I refuse to settle. I know that if I end up alone, it would be the worst thing ever. It wouldn't be the worst thing ever. I just want to find my main mommy. Any insight and advice would really make my day. Okay, mommy. So uh, you haven't said that I cannot say your first name, so I will say your first name, Amanda. Um, Yeah, dude, listen, bro. I mean, firstly, uh, I have a friend who is uh, close to your age and single as well. And I I mean, it sounds like a goddamn, a nightmare now. And I have uh, millennial friends, (laughs) friends, you know, fucking a million light years apart. Uh, but I've heard from millennials that it's way different now, um, in terms of how people date, how courting works. Um, for instance, you text each other now all the time before actually speaking to somebody, which means you, you text somebody before you speak to them. (laughs) Most of communication is nonverbal which means you're reading people's cues, you're looking into somebody's eyes, you're listening to inflection, intonation of the voice. Um, You can't tell if somebody's a psychopath. You can a little, but you can tell a lot quicker when you talk to them in person versus texting. And texting loses so much in translation because now, I mean, imagine when you speak to somebody face-to-face, like when that when the listener's listening to you they're actually filtering it through their lens so their emotional stuff that's why people don't often understand what you're saying or hear what you're saying because maybe they're not ready to hear what you're saying or have the capability to understand what you're saying because they're perceiving you through their own emotional background whatever lens okay so that's already one obstacle to human com- communication now I'll throw in texting which I don't understand half the fucking acronyms. Um, I learned FML from 13 reasons why (laughs) FML. Um, I learned that one, but you know, to reduce communication, we all know that that's, that's a really bad thing to reduce it to three letters and it's not the same and it's hard to read warmth. It's hard to read intent. It's hard. So not only, so texting starts and then the demand for sexy pics or just pictures in general. Um, which we all know is really misleading. I mean, there's a million apps devoted to helping you. Uh, God, this is hurting my head, this damn ponytail. There's a million apps um, devoted to helping you not look like yourself, <laughs> right? We all use them, the, the, the touch-up things. So then now you're judging someone based on a manufactured, touched-up photo. And then the demand for sexy pics is what my friend said. Like, oh, you have to... They want naughty pictures, which is bananas to me that people are A, demanding that and B, sending those bananas. Um, And then you don't get to go out to dinner, apparently. Apparently, it's like, hey, hey, there's that texting. And then when the guy or whoever finally works up the nerve to ask you out, it's not even a meal. It's like, let's have, I guess, coffee. Is that it? Not even alcohol, Uh, which is... I mean, how do you even get to know 
a, a human. You got to break bread, motherfucker. Like, that's what you got to do. Like, that's what the Bible says. You break bread. That's that's what it's all about, getting to know people. And so it really kind of, it's really, I, I don't blame you, girl. I mean, I can't even imagine this fucking app, apps to meet your potential mate. Sounds horrifying. Now, on the other end of that, I understand that um, aren't there website isn't match considered the marriage track or the more serious track. I mean, I, I, from what I know that there's like, sorry guys, I know I sound like I'm 80 years old. I just, I'm not in this world. So I, I only hear about it secondhand. Um, I'm assuming there are apps that haven't been completely taken over by dick pics, right? I mean, aren't there places where you can meet like mine? There's farmers, farmer dating, <laughs> uh, there wasn't, isn't, I don't know, is Match now a dick pic site? But there, I've known, I've known two comics who met their wives on Match. So there has to be places that you can go online where it still has, where there's still some semblance of humanity and integrity. Okay. And personally, I, I know a lot of people have gotten married meeting people on apps, but I mean, I, I personally would rather do things that I enjoy doing and then in that process meet people there. Um, I know somebody who in in his 70s, which is awesome, decided to take up salsa dancing. Salsa dancing. It's awesome. He's retired and has time to do wonderful things like that and ended up going to another country to learn Spanish and met a bunch of people dancing and learning Spanish and cultural immersion. like Stuff like that I think is... A little easier, uh, at least on us old ass motherfuckers that don't understand that. Okay, now all that being said, you're a 34 year old year old woman who wants to have a family. Here's the surest, best way to take this biological pressure off of you because you're absolutely right. You're 34. You're one year away from be- being read the the riot act on fertility because once you hit 35. Jesus Christ, all of a sudden you're a geriatric mom and all your eggs are rotten and you better not have a cup of coffee because that's going to make you even more infertile and forget about drinking alcohol and don't you dare smoke. All your kids are going to be, you know, quirky from life goes on. So know that they're going to scare the crap out of you at 35. What I recommend doing, is it an inconvenience? A little bit, but it's going to really, really slow your brakes on all this crap. Go down to your fertility clinic. I don't know where you live. There's an amazing one here in Beverly Hills where uh, my son was conceived. Not there, but, you know, I got a bunch of pills and whatever. Uh, There are places where you can go and have your eggs removed from your body, frozen, and stored. And I can't think of a better solution for anybody listening. If you're even 20, because by the way, infertility doesn't just affect older women. You can be 28 and have the eggs of a 48-year-old. It doesn't matter. It's not an age thing necessarily. But if you're single and you're like, I'm panicked, I have to find somebody now, and you've got that anxious energy, well, guess what? You're not going to find the right guy with anxious energy, right? You're not going to find anything good from a place of fear and and anxiety. So alleviate the anxiety. That's a really good strategy that I learned from my shrink. (laughs) Do what you can. Freeze your eggs. Simple. I mean, it's it's actually not that crazy. I've done it myself because who knows? Maybe I want to do number two. Uh, you inject yourself a few times, <laughs> they put you under, and then you're done. It, you're just done. And now that is tabled for you. You don't have to stress, and you've got your your eggs. And so when you meet Mr. Right, because now you've got years, dude. You've got years to meet the right person. 
guess what? You thaw those puppies out. He makes a deposit, put that embryo in you and you know, Bob is your uncle and you've got nice eggs from when you were 34. Do not wait until you're 40 to start dealing with fertility stuff. If you're at all panicked, what you can always do as a woman is freeze your eggs. And, and I really wish more people had uh, brought that one to my attention. Is it expensive? A little bit. Yes. Is it worth it for the health of your future children? Absolutely. So there's that. Okay. What's the other point here? I feel hopeless. I feel like I'm myself again. Oh, okay. So, okay. So I get it. This guy uh, probably was talking to some other woman while you were dating him. I'm sorry. It sounds like a real piece of shit. Um, and I'm really sorry because that's, that's really heartbreaking, especially if you spent a decade with somebody and then they roll right into something else. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean he was talking to her, cheating on you. It does kind of mean something's not right with him. I don't think so. Um, uh, you do say you, you feel like an idiot because I don't know if I'm ready to date at all. Okay. If you're not, then don't. Uh, you've only ended this relationship six months ago and you're still in a place of hurt. It sounds like, um, yeah, it sounds like, cause you're still, you're still thinking about what he's doing. Uh, you know, that saying the opposite of love isn't hate, it's indifference. So when you hear that he's dating or marrying or having children with someone else in it, just you're indifferent. <laughs> that's a good place to be <laughs> when there's no reaction. That means you're really, truly kind of, you're happy for them, right? I mean, um, I look back on my exes, I'm thrilled that they're all happy and, and married and whatever children. Yeah, absolutely. Fucking please. Not with me, somebody else. So that's good. So uh, don't, don't date and take the pressure off of yourself. Go freeze your eggs. Go look into that for the next few months while you lick your wounds and get your life together. And if you don't want to do that, by the way, and I thought, I thought about this because my friend who's dating, who's close to my age, uh, you know, then aren't there places where older people can date? (laughs) I don't know. There has to be places for like non-millennial people to date. Can't you demand that dudes treat you like a person and take you to dinner? I feel like I would. I'd be like, go fuck you and your stupid app. I'm not fucking sending you a tit pick or a vag pick. You're out of your mind. Treat me like a person, you weirdo. Anyway, go freeze your eggs, dude. Put the money into it. Just do it. Put that shit on a credit card. Pay it off. It's worth it. Because then you're, you know, then you're free. You don't have to um, worry about it. Okay, moving on. Oh, we didn't do our theme. This really, it makes me so sad when we don't. You want to know why you're all fucked up? Okay, there's the theme. Better late than never. This email I got was so fascinating. I'm tempted to have this person. I want to ask if this person will be willing to come on the show and talk to me a little bit about about her life because this stuff is fascinating. Okay. She writes, I'm writing to you because... I have a couple issues that I would love to hear your insight on. I come from a very competitive Orthodox Mormon family with four other siblings and around 90 cousins. (sighs) Damn, dude. My oldest brother, who is 13 years older than me, and dad were both Olympians. Oh, my God. NC, is it AAA? I thought it was NCAA. AACP, NCAAA champions and Pan American champions. I don't know what that, I don't like sport. 
My dad was also a national and Olympic coach for many years while I was growing up, so naturally everything in my house was a fucking competition. I am one of the youngest siblings and I lear- and learned at a very young age that if I wanted any attention from my dad, I had to fight for it. I had to be the best at whatever task I was working on at the moment, regardless of how stupid the task may have been, like who picked up the most apples from the orchard, who can do the most cartwheels, who can go down the slide fastest, etc. Everything was always turned into a game. Also, because of the strict Mormon thing, we were not allowed to do anything on Sunday aside from attending the three hours of brainwashing church meetings, family dinner, reading and play games. I shit you not. That's it. I wasn't even allowed to sew on Sundays. Wow. Because of the limited options I had, we always ended up playing some kind of games, which always ended up in some big blowout fight, dice being thrown at other people, boards getting flipped over, temper tantrums, etc. Needless to say, it was always a negative experience and never acceptable. And, and hold on, and never uh, ended well. Hold on, I got to write something down before I forget it. Okay, okay. <clears throat> As an adult, I feel the impact of the upbringing in a few ways. Don't worry, I won't even go into the whole weird religious aspect this time. <laughs> See, that's the part I want to know about. Let's talk about the weird religious stuff next time. Okay, number one, I fucking hate games. When I get in a situation where someone wants to play a board game or cards, it immediately puts me in an extreme panic mode and I shut off. I can feel anxiety tearing through my chest. It gets hard to breathe and I need my inhaler and some anxiety medication, ASAP. How fucked up is that? I've tried explaining to people why it gets so weird or why I don't want to play, but it seems that it is not an acceptable answer. Number two, everything is a competition. I have been very aware about how unhealthy this mindset really is for a few years now. I've been going to therapy for six years as well as alternative treatments like rapid eye therapy, but I still really struggle not seeing life as a competition, especially with other women. Rapid eye therapy. Okay. I constantly find myself comparing myself to women I come in contact with or on social media. If she is prettier than I am, then fuck her. I'm intimidated as fuck. If she's in better shape than me, then fuck her. I'm jealous as fuck. If she went on a trip to Thailand, then fuck her. I'm crazy jealous because I don't have my shit together and can't afford that yet. I have made strides in the past few years, but I'm just not there yet. I'm still that insecure girl that feels the weight of needing to be perfection or I won't be loved or respected. I'm working on getting my life. I'm being a good person. I'm being financially stable. I'm being healthy. I'm empowering myself and others. I want to be someone... Oh, like me, oh, like you, who uplifts people, thank you, and impacts others in a positive way instead of what I'm doing right now, which is putting down others to make myself feel better. What do you recommend that I can do to help me constantly, sh- completely shift the sick mentality I have? God damn, girl. Okay, what is your name? I got to email you. I want you on the show. Jenna. That's a wonderful email, Jenna. I can tell you are a, you're an intelligent, sensitive uh, girl, woman. I don't know how old you are. Uh, Okay. Can I tell you what I, I mean, look, dude, I feel like we could do a whole episode just on this email because it's pretty fascinating stuff. I hate games too, by the way. Fucking hate them. Have always hated them. Um, I'm, I hate competition. I am utterly bored by competition, by like, like, um, meaningless competition, like board games. I am thoroughly not interested. So I understand this. Now, do I have the reaction you do? No. And there's a reason you have this reaction. It's well-founded because 
the, the what happened to you when you were kids, right? You guys got into big, it sounds like pretty fucking traumatic blowouts, dice being thrown, uh, boards getting flipped over, temper tantrums. So it sounds like there's a reason why you fucking hate games because it ended up being a shitstorm in your house, which your parents, by the way, probably, yeah, should have, could have possibly maybe step in to prevent that crap from happening. But you come from a competitive family. So naturally, uh, it sounds like it went, it went a little overboard for you. So yeah, you've every right to feel this way. Um, secondly, what a bummer that the only way you felt you could get attention was by, by doing something the best, um, by being number one at cartwheels or apple picking or whatever. I'm sorry for you because, uh, hey, how do you think I became an entertainer? Do you think it's because uh, I was just accepted for who I was? Of course not. There is a lesson learned somewhere in my wiring that uh, funny people, entertaining people tend to be liked more. Gee, isn't that something that maybe uh, maybe my mom would take it easy on me if I diffused some of her anger, right, with a joke. So humor was the way I dealt with my thing. So everyone's, I think you get, you learn as a child, I'm learning this now, raising a toddler, you learn what gets you approval very early on, right? If it's being funny and mom and dad like that, if it's dancing and mom and dad like that, if it's being the best at something, mom and dad give you that approval and now your wiring turns to that. So naturally you're going to grow up. Now, am I a psychotherapist, by the way? No, no, I'm not. Have I mentioned that, that everything I say is qualified with, I'm a fucking stand-up comic, uh, who's just been in therapy for a decade. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. This is my theory. Okay. So my theory is that's how you got approval. That's what you learned was good, right? What's good and what's bad. And so now you're an adult and of course you're going to look at other women on social media and compare yourselves. That's the function of social media, by the way. Have you not figured that one out? That those are people presenting the best possible scenario of their lives. I mean, I, I stud, I'm a student of Instagram because it's really an exercise in bullshit. It's an exercise in who cares more about the image they're portraying. And cause that's all it is. And I'm not, it's not bad. It's not, it just is. It's human nature to want to present the best possible you. So know that, okay. Yeah. Maybe that girl is in Thailand right now on a vacation. She may have also gotten diarrhea today from her lunch, from her Nazi Gorang. Is that, no, that's Indonesian from her uh, Tom Kakai soup. So, and who knows, she might be having a shitty time. She might be with a guy she fucking hates. You don't, and you don't know, never compare somebody's outsides to your insides, right? We learned that last week. I learned that from a Christian audio book I downloaded that you're comparing yourself not to the reality, but to the uh, presentation of another one's, another person's reality. So just always remember that when you think, oh my gosh, so-and-so looks so much better at this, but yeah, but boo boo, you don't know the whole story and you don't know what that girl went through, what that woman's going through been through, etc., And you don't know what kind of filters are on those photos. Um, so that's normal. It's totally natural now. Okay. What can you do? What can we do to help you? What can I do to help you? Um, interestingly enough, I listened to, I fucking love this book. Um, Dr. Wayne Dyer, old school. He just died like a year ago. Uh, but Wayne Dyer wrote an incredible book called your erroneous 
Zones, Erroneous. I think it's a terrible title because people thought, A, it was a book about fucking, or B, you couldn't pronounce the word erroneous. I'm probably not pronouncing it correctly either. Uh, But your erroneous zones means places where you got it wrong, I think. (laughs) Is that the word word erroneous means? Um, I highly recommend reading this book or listening to it as an audio book because it's like the Bible on on uh, getting your life in that he talks about uh, the, one of the principles of psychotherapy, which is why I love therapy so much. And I always tell people to get their lives and get your ass into therapy. I don't remember if you say you're in it, but I think you are go good. Uh, yes. You've been going to therapy for six years. Excellent. Um, he talks about needing others approval. And I think the biggest lesson that I've learned in my life so far and what's going to help you get over this competitiveness and comparing to others and the need for your parents' approval. Because um, you're going to learn, by the way, unfortunately, if you haven't picked up on it, is that that uh, shit don't matter. Sorry, it doesn't fucking matter. Uh, approval and approval-seeking is really eroding and corrosive to one's sense of self and identity. And it sounds like you got a little bit of that. Everyone's got a little bit of that going on. It's, it's, I think if once you master um, getting over what Wayne Dyer calls the quote, good opinion of others, you know, a lot of times people mean well when they give us criticism or they tell us they don't like what we're doing. I don't like how you did that. I don't, I don't like what you're doing. I know. And, and it, you get criticized the most from your family most of the time. I mean, I get it. I get emails. Like I said, 50% is disapproval. 50% is approval. And that's just part of the job. And that's, and that's actually not just a ratio for entertainers. I think that's kind of, that's what Wayne Dyer uh, talks about too, that that's the ratio for everybody is that you're going to have disapproval. You're going to have approval. Now, how do we get out of uh, the need for for approval. How do you get out of that thing? Because it feels good, right? It feels fantastic when um, daddy chooses you because you did the most cartwheels, or you know you've won something, and and the, and it feels great. But I think the the distinction is: Do I need approval? I need it to feel good about myself. Uh, versus, hey, if it comes, great. If not, all right, that sucks too. But on on with the show, and. Um, really the only way to do it is to understand that, uh, you have to choose you. Okay. So what does that mean? That means that whenever, um, someone shits on you or you don't get the approval that you want, you don't win the competition, blah, blah, blah. Um, that's allowing that external thing to have more of an opinion of you than you have of you, if that makes sense. Meaning, um, that I'm going to let this person, your dad, your mom, whoever it is, have more meaning in me in, in saying what I and who I am than I do, which is completely, you know, fakakta, right? Because if you're letting the tides of those people outside of you, the approval, the winning, the losing, rattle your cage all the time, I mean, man, that's like, what kind of a horrible existence are we living, right? So your foundation's got to be solid, your foundation. That's why the little pigs built the house. What do they build it up? Eventually brick, right? That shit don't, that shit don't blow. So you, you got to work on the house, the foundation on, and I hate this term cause it's so like, you know, Oprah, but the self love stuff, the self regard, that's why they call it self 
esteem. And I hate that fucking word because I never understood it um, for the longest time. And uh, gosh. And it's also um, just doing you, bro, and and not having to uh, do anything to win the approval because that approval comes and goes. You win, you lose. I have a great story. My cousin, Julie, who is a person I admire so much. I asked her if I could tell the story. She said, sure. She is one of my favorite human beings because I think of all the people I know, she has um, overcome the need for other others' approval. And by that, I mean, it's, it's a little stuff. I mean, she's covered in tattoos, which already is like, fuck your mother. I don't care what you say. I like having a chest tattoo and I'm going to have one. Um, and she's been covered in tats since she was like, you know, 16, I think it started. So it started early. Number two, she has a business where she, it's a very niche market and they, her, she and her husband started this company like at the beginning of the internet where they sell, um, it's called, I'll just give her a plug. Why not? Crustpunks.com. Crustpunks. And it's like a genre of punk and they sell fucking bullet belts and vegan leather jackets and, and stuff for this niche, very niche lane market. And I remember at the time, you know, it, it was what, you're not going to college. You're going to, what are you guys doing? You're going to sell what? Bullet? What's a bullet belt? And guess what? Now they, they're homeowners. They live a fantastic life. They have everything they need. They're very successful. And a lot of that was going against the good opinion of others. So, and I also have this wonderful story about her when she was a little girl and I was a little, I'm like four years, five years, six years older than her. I don't remember. And it was like Christmas and we were um, pretending that Santa Claus was coming. And so I remember she was watching her favorite TV show in the room and my cousin Shadi and I ran in. And we were like, Julie, Julie, Santa's coming. Santa's here. He's, he's here. He's in the living room. And Julie was like, so what? <laughs> She's like, I'm watching my show. And I remember thinking as a little kid, like, did, she did not give a fuck that we were like, come, come on. We, everybody wants you to come in. And I mean, the whole family was screaming for her to come into the next room so that we could play the Santa game, you know. And she was like, fuck you. I'm watching my show. And that's always stuck with me as um, the embodiment of my cousin Julie because that is really who she wa- is, was uh, at a very young age, very self-assured. And she knew exactly who she was and she didn't give a shit about your approval and she still doesn't. And I just love her for that. So there you go. You got to harness your inner cousin Julie is what you got to do. My, my Mormon love. And I'm going to try to get you on the show. Um, there you go. There you have it, guys. Uh, self-esteem. I hate the word. I think it's one of those r- ridiculous um, self-helpy. I hate it. I hate the word self-esteem. I never even understood what that meant. I don't think most people do. I don't, I don't think it's one of those easy to grasp. But to not need the approval of others to feel good about yourself is, I think, linked to it. <laughs> um, okay. So Jenna... Start there. Start with your Wayne Dyer. I'm gonna. I want you to come on the show and talk to you more because I think it's very interesting stuff. Um, what else? Bedtime stories for Rebel Girls. RebelGirls.co. These people do not sponsor my show. I just think it's kind of cool. And uh, and that's it. I gotta go. I gotta go have lunch with my friend. I'm finally resuming a social life now that I'm not sick anymore. It's great. 
And that's it, bros. Uh, thank you for downloading this episode. Email me. That's deepbropodcast at gmail.com. Um, hopefully we'll answer your emails. I read all of them. I may not answer you just because of time, but I do read all of them. So thank you for emailing me. Thank you for watching this on YouTubes and um, listening and downloading. And I will see you. See you. Meow. And you will hear me next week. Okay. Stay black, everybody. Now what? I don't know. Philosophize with Philosophize with Christina P, aka Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party, our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? That's deep, bro. It is the ultimate metaphor for life, and you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro.